Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, in a shiny new box, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played. We're going to be talking about the January slash February game club, Monster Sanctuary. We're going to reveal our next game club for the month of March. E3 is skipping in-person events again. Developer changes its name to very positive to fool steam users <laughs> vampire the masquerade bloodlines 2 has been delayed indefinitely and if time allows we will be having a steam discovery queue timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics hello rage hello what's up uh my cpu cycles sweet i just noticed that my recording volume is turned down for reasons that I don't know why, so I'm going to turn that back up. My apologies for being quiet to anyone listening for the first bit of this show, but I fixed it. Yeah, and we're sorry we he fixed it. <laughs> yeah, you can hear me in all my scratchy glory. Uh, my internet was out last week. This week I have a head cold. Uh, Sunday night was, was the worst of it. And then yesterday I was just kind of uh, out of it. And today I managed to not lose my voice, so that's good. But first cold of the year. Yay. First cold in a while, actually. Almost like people are, you know, trying to contain a virus or something. I know. It's almost like social distancing and mask wearing protocols and other such preventative measures help keep you from getting sick. Nah, according to the uh, Facebook uh, epidemiologist I saw, uh, they're just lumping all the flu uh, cases in with the COVID cases and uh, uh, pumping uh, those numbers up. Right. Absolutely. Um, had a conversation with this at a, a meeting today at work. Like we, <laughs> our, our conversation drifted to other things other than the topic at hand. Cause let's be real. That meeting could have been an email. Uh, I, we were I talking about just said you're a bug for Christmas saying this meeting could have been an email. Absolutely. Uh, with I the, would love with that. The caveat, with the caveat, <laughs> you have to use it in at least one meeting. Oh, I will. 100%. I will do that. And everyone will laugh and think it's funny. And I'm going to be like, no, but seriously. And then I'll loudly, loudly sip like. (laughs) (laughs) Doing that on purpose. I'm going to have to like fix the audio and so just cut that out. Doing that on purpose. I breathed it in. (laughs) I did commit to the bit though. I I get points for committing to the bit. Oh God. That was a bad decision. Mistakes were made. <laughs> what was my original talking point? Oh, we were talking about how like human beings are filthy, disgusting animal creatures. And it's like, yeah, no matter how much you do properly washing your hands and sanitizing, like if you're out in the world, most people have not historically done that. Cause like I think about all the times I've been like washing my hands in the bathroom and someone comes and goes to the bathroom and then leaves that washing their hands or just does the thing where they run their hand under the water for like 10 seconds or two seconds it's like oh yeah my hands are clean it's like no you just made your hands easier for the germs to grow because now there's some moisture there and it's a little bit warm human beings are disgusting yes yes they are watch (laughs) your filthy human hands that's right you filthy animal (laughs) um so yeah uh two weeks since we last recorded though 
And so we had some time to do some stuff. This is your first recording with your new PC, right? Or did you have your new PC for last uh, time? I don't no, remember the I, timeline. I, I built it immediately after our last recording because I wanted to hold off just in case something went wrong. Right. So use that to segue into what you've been doing this week because yeah, I so, see your first thing on your list. Yeah, is uh, Ryzen, the new build. So I finally, finally, finally got the new computer and put it together. This has been coming for quite a while, and it seems like every time I was just about to start ordering parts, something happened. So finally was able to put away enough money to uh, get mostly a new build. I'm reusing a video card because video cards are fucking expensive right now. Fucking Bitcoin. Fucking NVIDIA. That's not on the topic list, but fuck you, NVIDIA, for turning potential gaming GPUs into mining GPUs. See, I didn't go down the rabbit hole of just what the hell was going on. I just saw the prices and uh, doped out. Well, NVIDIA is making a quick buck off of because Bitcoin hit fifty five thousand US dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it was above that last time I looked. I don't know how much the values fluctuated, but NVIDIA is like, oh yeah, no, we're gonna release a whole subset of mining GPUs. But don't worry, gamers, like this uh, use of our production resources somehow magically won't impact how many gaming GPUs we're gonna be able to put to market. Yeah, don't worry about that. Which, you know, is bullshit, obviously. Yeah. It's like, fuck you, NVIDIA. Although it's not like I'm in the market for a new video card right now anyways, but still. Yeah, well, mine was still pretty good. Uh, and if I really wanted to try to squeeze a little bit more out of it, I did a little bit of your research. And it seems like mine could actually get flashed with the BIOS uh, for the next uh, version up because AMD basically improved uh, a couple things and didn't really change much hardware wise. So if I wanted to squeeze out a little bit more performance, I could. Yeah. Uh, I'm using RX uh, 470. I think an RX 480. Oh, sorry. 480. Uh, It's been a while since I bought it. So I was close enough though. Uh, But I could actually get it up to the uh, 500 uh, range uh, with a BIOS flash if need be. Yeah. You've got the eight gig version of the 480 right yeah 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 so fairly future proof actually for uh, for the time at least you know yeah uh but i ended up going with the uh uh ryzen 5 uh, 3600 so nice mid-tier uh build without you know going too stupid uh stupidly expensive and it was mostly just you know getting everything together because right yeah yeah, we we had a couple of nights where we talked about stuff, but I mean, mm-hmm. you you asked me about a few things, but for the most yeah, part, would, you put together a solid build on your yeah, own. Well, well, I wanted your opinion on it because, yeah, secondary opinion, right? Two heads, right? Two heads are better than one. Yeah, and I the main kind of funny the main thing I really went back and forth on was uh, PC cases because I've had some bad luck with cases. I've had one that. Uh, just had the USB uh, ports on the front short out and uh, kind of blow that entire board uh, in the past. Yeah. Uh, my old case, the reason why I didn't reuse it was one, it took a pretty big hit in the last move. So uh, the side panel on it was already bowed and not looking great. And now it's really uh, uh, in a bad shape. So it felt better just to. Uh, move on to another case and yeah. i ended up just going with a cheaper case but that had 
a fuck ton of uh, drive bays in it. So I'm using three of the uh, hard drive or you know hard drive uh, SSD uh, uh, bays in it, and I'm not even using half of uh, the capabilities. There, I haven't touched the drive uh, uh, cage. There's another uh, spot on that on this rail that's built into the case uh, for a drive there, and there's two. Uh, 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 two and a half uh, inch uh, uh, mounting ports on the back side of the motherboard as well. Plus, the motherboard has two uh, M.2 ba- uh, base I haven't even touched. So, yeah, plenty of room for expansion. Room to grow. Woo. So, it feels good to actually have a computer that's from this, you know, decade. Because the old one was mid-tier, actually low mid-tier pushing down to low tier because of a voltage issue on the motherboard. It just, they underestimated the amount of current draw on the uh, FX chips. So when it would go full tilt, it would actually overload the voltage uh, modules on the motherboard and would cause thermal voltage throttling. And that took ages to figure out what was going on. And by that point, it was already too late to try to do anything about it because, you know, that was the biggest CPU I could put on that board. Uh, They went on to the next uh, socket, the AM4, uh, just shortly thereafter. And uh, by the point uh, I figured out what was going on, most of the parts to replace it was, you know, not being manufactured anymore. So it was getting either secondhand or old stock and, you're starting to get to some iffy stuff, especially with AMD builds, because once again, Bitcoin, right? So yeah, I've been going through the paces uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, trying on a few things, and also you know getting ready for the next game club because yeah, we have the choosing or had the choosing coming up. So I wanted to see just what the new computer could do, and it feels good to not be such a drag on the game club. Yeah, bottlenecks are always interesting. Like uh, having a having a CPU bottleneck is rough because uh, I mean, not only does it slow down your gaming performance, but it can really slow bog down your entire system in so many ways you don't under like don't realize it first. Like, I'd much rather have a GPU bottle bottleneck. Like, well, you know, no matter what, eventually you're going to have a bottleneck, even if you've got like I don't know an Uber Magic fifty thousand dollar PC or something. Like, you're still going to have a bottleneck somewhere at some point, but you know. Realistically speaking, I'd rather it be the GPU. Um, yeah, well, the, the problem CPU. was also it was the, the computer is meant to be overclocked. Yeah, but because I hit voltage uh, uh, throttling uh, on the motherboard itself, there was little I could do short of going water cooling and trying to get a water block for it because it's just where those modules were on the motherboard. There just wasn't a lot of of airflow there and. They had some uh, heat sink or you know, some thermal spreading on it, but was there enough? And I could never find anything that would uh, suit the purpose to try to fix that. I eventually just tried to cream as many plans as I could into the case, which I need to harvest out of that case. Yeah. Uh, just try to fix it a little bit. And it did help a little, but obviously not a lot. So I was getting 75, 80% of the uh, CPU. And the CPU, you know, was really starting to show us age already. Don't get me wrong. I am glad I got the GPU when I did because, you know, it was right before the last big uh, run on Bitcoin. 
So, yeah, I'm glad I had it to be able to uh, just upgrade and actually uh, get some use out of it for once. Woo! Yeah, yeah, feeling good. So I'm going to skip to my last game uh, just to talk about it a little bit. Or, okay. And, you know, but it kind of uh, has a better segue on it. Sure, so, go for it. So one of the games I went back to to try out that I was having some FPS issues and uh, eventually figured out it was the CPU, just the last patch that I was playing on. It just was a little too much. Was Forza Horizon 4. And there's not a lot to talk about on just the base systems because it is the same game uh, from you know back in the day. Yeah, o- open world uh, racing game with the uh, events that you could go and different uh, disciplines, the Force of Thon, blah blah blah. Uh, what I what's changed in uh, since I played was that they've introduced a couple new storylines. There's uh, different businesses around the map that you could buy and uh, run different missions to be able to uh, unlock more rewards from them, both in the, in the terms of daily cash from uh, those uh, businesses, but also unlocks. And the new one that they added since I played last was actually a delivery service that was actually kind of fun, but also not very difficult. I know that the uh, missions in general are not particularly difficult, but this one felt really, really, really easy. And I'm not sure if it's just uh, coming back to it and actually getting a feel for the game and you know, actually having stable frame rates. It made the game uh, a lot easier, or if it's just, eh, right? Yeah. But the main thing I wanted to talk about was the Super 7. So this was uh, their big push for creator or for player-created content, uh, I guess about six months ago now. I know it was uh, towards the autumn, I think it was, or I think it was towards the autumn, I should say, where uh, they basically released a new player creation tool where people could create challenges, but also bring in different assets uh, from the game world to uh, build these challenges. And like most player created stuff, there is good stuff, but you have to sort through a lot, a lot of crap. So there's some that are just, you know, very you know, uh, simple that somebody just made just to be able to make it or for the uh, uh, the experience on it. Because like most things in this game, there's there's incentive to be able to publish, but also play the content. Like building blueprints for uh, custom races, you eventually unlock more stuff. And I'm thinking that there's some on the on the creation side of the Super 7 as well, even though I hadn't tested that just yet. But beating seven challenges, uh, it doesn't have to be in a row, and you can actually also discard. They use a card mechanic uh, to burn the card to be able to draw a new one uh, for a new challenge. Unlocks uh, additional uh, rewards as well. And some of them, are, like I said, are dead simple, but the the most fun ones I found were the ones I had to go hunting for uh, uh, in the browser. Like the, the mazes. People built mazes out of tractor tr- uh, out of trailers and put you in a little peel. <laughs> so it's the, like that one episode from Top Gear where you're driving around this giant maze trying to figure out how to get out. Yeah. Uh there's uh, there was a couple interesting stunt challenges that I ran into that had some actually difficult uh jumps and a uh, series of stunts. Uh a couple 
uh, more challenging races where there's less um, uh, less wiggle room on the uh, on the timer or whatever feat they have uh, is you know actually a challenge. But then I ran into others that are you know complete this uh, three mile course in half an hour, right? Yeah, three miles, not thirty yeah. or something. Yeah, three. Okay. Yeah, basically just max out the timer, and uh, it's like, okay, here you go, have fun, and no challenge to it. It's just you know, drive a pretty standard uh, race course. Uh, that's why I said uh, what I meant by uh, the creation tools. It, it feels like they're uh, Forza has had a problem with their player created stuff in general. Where there's a lot of good stuff, but there's also a lot of shovelware, and they don't really have a way to sort through it very uh, very well. It's just if you know the well, they have introduced a share code system where it's a, a non-digit code that you could enter to uh, be able to go to a particular challenge or pull up a, a particular paint job or that sort of thing. But if you don't know those codes trying to find something really good or really yeah, challenging is going to be very, very difficult. <laughs> or even just something very creative. Because there was a couple ones that were kind of interesting where it was well, you remember uh, the, the general map, right? The general layout of it? Yeah. Right, remember the big highway that runs from the northern part to the southern part? Yep. I ran into a couple of uh, challenges that were basically stunt challenges going down that with various jumps and uh, uh, tricks that you have to perform on it. That would be cool. That, 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 that was actually pretty good. But then I hit some that was just, you know, you could ignore all of it and, you know, drive along the highway because they didn't bother to block it off. Uh, there was one that was uh, Escape from Edinburgh uh, that was uh, uh, this sort of, uh, uh, they took the city and cordoned off parts of it. And you had to perform various tricks to be able to get a, uh, around it. And it actually had a fairly tight uh, 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 time limit on it as well. Like at the very beginning of it, you perform a 180 to uh, from the start. Uh, you go uh, around uh, a couple of the roundabouts and all the different streets are blocked off by various things, you know, like uh, trailers, uh, you know, just barricades, that sort of thing. And at one point, you're actually jumping over the uh, the start finish line, or sorry, the start line, to access another part of the town. the The downside of it is that they didn't set up the waypoints very well, so the the computer is constantly telling you to go the wrong direction. <laughs> but that might have been, you know, part of the you know, challenge of it as well. Yeah, yeah. I just wish uh, they had a better way to uh, search the database because they do have the uh, editor's choice stuff, which is very good stuff, but there's only a handful of uh, entries into that. So, you know, it's, you know, then you start, you know, uh, digging through the sewers for that one gem, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, still on Game Pass, so well worth checking out if you're, uh, uh, you know, even a casual fan of racing, uh, just because of all the different disciplines you could go into. And uh, I don't think you're really limited on, if you really focus on a particular racing style. In general, you will be missing out on some content, but yeah, I think you could have a lot of fun if you just want want to drive rally races or just drive off road races, or even just do street racing and that sort of thing. It does feel like drag racing is 
uh, still highly under uh, underdeveloped though, but that's just uh, I think that's just the nature of the beast as well. There's only so much you could do with it, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we might have to go traffic uh, at some point, huh? Yeah. Although, I mean, after we started talking about it, I've been meaning to reinstall it, and I haven't yet. But Although it would I'll be disappointing there. because uh, then your Dravatar will no longer be dressed as Willy Wonka. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm sure I'll dress up as something else weird. Yeah, because that's the thing is that uh, uh, your uh, you download Dravatars from your friends list, and also, if you don't have enough, like me, just random people online. And Jared's last time he was on... He had like this purple outfit on with purple top hat, and he looks so much like Willy Wonka. <laughs> I, I, uh, unfortunately, it's Johnny Depp Willy Wonka. So yeah, a little creepy. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm okay with being a little creepy. Wink. So, do you want to go for one? Yeah, I'll do. I'll do my one. I only have one game on this week. That's not the Game Club game. Uh, played a couple other things, but I think this is the only one I'm actually going to talk about. Um, so uh, I played Valheim. Uh, you may have, have heard of it, dear listener, as person from the Discord, because myself, Jim, and Cube uh, got Valheim and started playing it. Um, or you might have heard of it, of it elsewhere. It's currently the indie darling. It got something like 3 million downloads within its first, uh, or purchases and downloads within its first few weeks of launch. Um, uh, it's... A um, open world survival crafting game, which I know when most people hear that at this point, they're like, oh, my fucking God, another one. But this is one that really, really actually does something interesting and unique and builds upon sort of the base in an interesting way and does some cool things. Um, So first of all, the actual like survival part of the game um like you you there's food to eat there's some systems to manage in terms of like your uh uh cold and wet and tired like that stuff aside from the freezing cold which can just outright kill you because you can freeze to death those systems don't penalize you so if you get uh hungry for example it won't you won't you can't starve to death it'll sort of reduce you down to like a base stat line but you can't starve to death if you don't eat so if you're running out um, doing some resource gathering or um, you end up dying and you're really far away from your uh, body and you don't have to take like a bunch of time to try to rebuild yourself. Like you can just sprint out there to it, get your stuff and come back or uh, good, you don't have- uh, good old uh, fashioned EverQuest like a corpse run. Absolutely. Um, but you know, there, there's that or you, you know, you don't have to worry about like, dang it. My inventory's full. I ran out of food gotta get back to base like before i starve to death like no you don't have to do that um you won't you won't starve to death and uh you know if you get wet and cold it won't necessarily kill you unless you get into the freezing state in which case you will you can freeze to death and i'm not sure if there are other environmental things that you can encounter um i've played it for about 10 ish hours so far jim has played it the most out of the three of us and cube has played it the least at least at time of recording um, but so far I haven't ran into any environmental factors outside of freezing cold. Um, it's whole aesthetic is Viking, um, and Norse mythology. Uh, there's some, a little bit of a story, uh, dump that it gives you the first time you load into, uh, any, any world that's like, uh, Odin banished the such and such guys to like, it, it really doesn't matter. Like 
there's some interesting mythology there. Like I looked some of it up and it is connected to Norse mythology, like North Norse mythology. So if you find that interesting, like they didn't just like make this shit up like whole cloth, like some of it they did for the story as far as I can tell, but it is based in actual Norse mythology. So, you know, there's a cool connection there, but you don't necessarily need it to play the game, but it does give that to you the first time you drop in the, the world is gorgeous. It's this weird mix of like low poly, um, but not like it. I mean, it's not sprite art. It's like a fully 3D um, third person uh, action survival crafting game. But it's it's low poly, but they use a lot of post processing effects to give it like this interesting, like ethereal quality, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, you can uh, there are easily distinguishable and identifiable uh, zones in the world. Um, and there's uh, like the, the three that I've found so far are the meadows which is the sort of the starting area that's like the safe zone or the safest zone. There's the dark forest and the mountains. Um, and each, each three of those zones are easily identifiable. Um, you've got like a map and it will tell you when you cross over zones, but you can also visually distinctly tell the difference in those three zones. Um, and I know that there are other zones uh, that you can run into. I just haven't gotten to them yet. Um, and sort of the point of the game, other than the survival crafting and exploration aspect, is there are world bosses that you have to uh, defeat as part of your quest. And uh, they're all based in Norse mythology. So the first world boss is this giant like elk god. Um, in all, all of the bosses, you have to explore the world and locate their shrine. And then you have to find out what offering you have to give to them to summon them. So for the elk... Uh, god you have to bring a certain type of antler trophy to it by killing a deer in the world you like you bring this trophy and you present it to the altar and then the god is summoned and you have to fight and defeat the god and currently there's five gods in the game that you have to defeat uh there's talk of that only being half of the gods and that they're going to add more through the development cycle so far i've only beaten the first one jim who has played the game for i think like 20 something hours has beaten two of them. Um, but they each get, you know, significantly harder and that's your progression tree is leveling up to be able to take on the bosses. Um, the first boss I beat relatively easy, uh, by myself, Jim said he had a really, really difficult time taking on the second boss by himself. They've said that the game is playable entirely solo. So you don't have to get people together to play it but they designed it like the scale of the world and the, the difficulty it's intended to be played as a uh, PVE like group experience. Um, so the, the world that we're playing in as a group is Jim's world that he's got set up since he's the farthest. Uh, but the, all of the systems work really well together. Um, it's you, there are like, you can turn on PVP if you want to, but by default, yeah. everything is set for PVE. It's really easy to just join a friend's world. Um, you can set up dedicated servers if you'd like. Uh, we have not done so, but but you can. Um, the crafting system is really solid. Uh, everything, all, your entire progression is tied to your character as opposed to the world. So you can create as many single player worlds as you want or jump into as many multiplayer worlds as you want. And as long as you keep the same character, like you can create multiple characters, but as long as you keep the same character your progression stays. So the uh, stuff you've gotten through the tech tree, all of the skills that you've learned and unlocked, 
and any equipment that your character actually has in their personal inventory stays with you at all times. So it's not like you join a new world and it's like, well, guess I got to punch down a tree and, you know, start the crafting, you know, the whole process again. It's no, you bring everything over with you. It's got a skill system where your skills increase based on their use. So uh, I use spears a lot. It's kind of my primary weapon. It's a really versatile weapon. It's got a bit of reach. It's fast. And then in a pinch, you can throw it. Um, and so, you know, doing so, like, that's my primary weapon skill. And so my spear uh, skill is way higher than, like, knives or axes or, or whatever. And raising the skills means that you do more damage and they... Well, it, it kind of depends. Like with weapons, they do more damage. They use a little less stamina. You increase like your your uh, running or your swimming skill. You go a little faster. Use a little less stamina. Um, and there seems to be skills tied to just about everything. Uh, so chopping down trees, there's a skill for that. Mining, there's a skill. I don't think there's a skill tied specifically to crafting. I could be wrong about that. Maybe something that I haven't, I just haven't encountered yet. But in the early game, there doesn't seem to be a skill specifically tied to crafting. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's skills attached to everything. The only penalty for death is that you lose a small amount of your skills, like sort of randomly. But you can't get trapped into a death loop where it reverts all your skills back to zero. Like after you die, you have uh, protection from skill loss. So uh, I had to do a bunch of corpse runs. I, I got stuck in like a dungeon area looking for a specific item. I got killed. And I had to do like six corpse runs before I finally was able to escape with my stuff. Um, and then after the first, but after the first one, you've got that skill loss protection. And it, I don't know how long it stays for. It doesn't have a timer that tells you how long it lasts. Um, but it, it goes past beyond recovering your stuff because I would pick up my stuff and get killed. And I only lost, you know, skills the initial time I was killed. So it's on some kind of a countdown timer that I think resets every time you get killed after that initial time. So that's helpful. Um, the combat system is pretty solid. Uh, things like uh, using a bow, there's arrow drop that you have to account for. Um, so it, you know, it's not like shooting a gun. And the technology level is, as far as I can tell, you know, sort of that uh, bronze uh, iron era of or, uh, iron era, not bronze. Sorry, the uh, iron era sort of technology. And I mean, you're working your way up to that. Like I've got bronze equipment now, but I've seen some stuff that, you know, lets me believe it's like iron or early, early steel. Um, there's boats. You can make, uh, you know, your uh, Norse longboat. You can do some pretty insane stuff with the crafting, crafting system for building like a, a Viking great hall. I've seen like some early medieval period castles that people have built. So there's a lot of versatility to the system. There's not really any loss as well. Like a lot of a lot of these survival crafty games, it's if you decide to pick up and move, there's going to be some type of loss involved in terms of like your materials. You know, you only get back like say seventy five percent of your materials. Uh, but Valheim doesn't do that. You get back a hundred percent of your crafting materials all the time, uh, which is interesting. Like it limits you in other ways. I, I don't have portals yet, but Jim has portals, uh, like magic oh, portals. So I'm with portals. He's thinking with portals. Um, the portals will let you move pretty much anything except for the high-level uh, crafting materials, which are basically metals, and then maybe like some specific items. I'm not 100% on that one. So it's like if you want to you know, up and move your base everywhere, just create a new base of operations. For the most part, that's pretty easy. You just tear everything down, you make a portal, you go through, and only certain items have to be carted the old-fashioned way across the world. So 
but I mean that I'm glad that they did that because the world map is fucking huge. Um, you have to really start exploring it a bit before you get a sense of scale for how large it is. But my primary base, which is right next to the point that the game starts you at, like there's a, a all of the world maps are procedurally generated, uh, of course, because that's how these types of games work. Uh, but you always start in the exact same point, which is like um, sort of a central area where you bring uh, trophies from the main world bosses and you place them on these like special altars to Odin. And then you get special abilities that you can activate and use out in the world. And so my, my main base is like right next to that. And it's like nearly a 10 minute run, like full speed sprinting, uh, ignoring anything I come across. It's like a 10 minute sprint to get to my next base over by the dark forest. And that's maybe, I don't know, 10, percent of like you know the way that i could travel across the world map it's got a very large scale and there's like several bodies of water um i've read online that there's like a sea monster you have to fight on on your viking longboat um so the scale of the world is really big it's it's excellent uh two thumbs up i've enjoyed my time playing it both single player and multiplayer this this isn't like if you don't like these types of games this one is not going to like rock your world and and make you a believer or whatever yeah that's what i said pretty much no right away yeah but if you do like these types of games this is one of the best ones i've played in a while maybe ever it's it's hard to say because it's been a long time since i've played a, a survival crafting game that wasn't something more along the lines of like factorio which is technically within the same genre but a whole different beast for what it is um but yeah, this is one of the best one of these types of games I've played in a long time. So if you like it, it's worth it. It's, uh, I think, like 20 bucks. Yeah, it, it's 20 bucks. And, you know, if you listen to the show and you've got it and you want to play, um, you know, you can join us. We're not super far in the game. One, one other thing from the multiplayer perspective is the game so far has done a pretty good job of not feeling gatekeepy from the higher level players. Um, it's very easy to help new players out to give them materials that they can use to sort of uh, speed run <coughs> the progression tree. But I don't think there's like the scaling might get pretty crazy out of proportion if you're a brand new player trying to take on one of the later world bosses. But you can eventually whittle down any enemy that you fight. So you could still contribute to combat and you could still come and join. Like you always need like the basic resources like wood and stone and uh, food. And so if you want to help contribute in that way, like you can come and you can do that and we can help provide other materials and teach you how to play. Like it's this game is is centered around players working together as opposed to like an arc survival where that it's centered around players fighting each other. So the the systems help each other out and help reinforce this aspect of cooperation. It's really well designed in that way. So two thumbs up. I've enjoyed it and I'm going to keep playing it and we'll probably play it some more as a group this weekend. Um, Maybe even a little bit later on this week. Uh, That would be before the podcast releases. But, you know, anyone who's in Discord, uh, keep an eye out. And if you're not in Discord and this sounds interesting to you, join our Discord podcast. Podbean.com. Yeah. All right. You've got one more game before we move on to gameplay. Yeah. So, so mine is honestly 
kind of uh, in the same realm, only without the whole survival element. Uh, I have a friend that got me into Animal Crossing about a, well, almost two months ago. And I've held off on talking about it just because Animal Crossing is a bit of a strange beast because it, if you pardon the term of phrase there, uh, because it is played essentially in real time. I mean, you can cheese the system and change the system clock because it doesn't prevent that. However, it felt like it was cheapening the game, and I wanted to experience it as intended. So Animal Crossing is sort of a sandbox building uh, community management game. Like community management, where... Uh, in this one, it's uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, the Switch uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, you're on an island, and you're essentially building this new community away from everyone. I guess Tom Nook's uh, yeah, uh, mafia connections have finally caught up with him, and he decided to yeah, move to an island to take you with him uh, and, and, uh, and put you in deep debt in the process. But I, I will admit that you know, the whole you know, Tom Nook being the bad guy for... Uh, yeah, uh, creating all this debt on you. He's going to be a, a a loan with no collateral and no interest rate in this market. Really, right? And no fixed repayment plan. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you know uh, his cousins are showing up with uh, pipe wrenches, and it's like, well, you know, uh, how do you like your kneecaps intact? Because if you don't repay, uh, Timmy and Tommy are just going to uh, go crazy on your knees. And you're going to end up like Tiger Woods with two broken legs. Too soon? <laughs> Did he actually break both of his legs? I, I saw uh, the news about the car Yeah, supposedly crash, uh, two broken legs. Dang. Well, yeah, glad he survived, though. Yeah. Yeah. Career, maybe not so much. Yeah. On the bright side, though, he's got shitloads of money. He'll probably be fine. Yeah. yeah he has Tiger Woods money. That's right. Which is very apt. But anyway, getting back to it. Uh, the topic at hand because hey, uh, us getting off topic never, right? Never. It's kind of a nice chillax game. Not something I play uh, for long periods of time, but something I'll fire up uh, every day, kind of as a routine. Uh, just yeah, you know, uh, early in the morning, uh, see what's going on, uh, see how the uh, community's going on, and I definitely understand what drew people in, especially when this released mid yeah, first major lockdown, or I guess in the US, only major lockdown because right. right. Uh, and it kind of scratches that itch of uh, a community and coming together. And also uh, on top of everything being so damn cute, but also there's this kind of almost nostalgic of a uh, nostalgic feeling of everybody being so friendly and helpful towards one another. Even the jerk neighbors, uh, you win them over pretty quickly. There's this uh, squid that I got that has the, uh, uh, the uh, personality trait that he's a bit mean at first. Uh, his name is Octavian because squid Octavian, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the other thing is that there's so many punny names. Uh, he uh, uh, warmed up to me quite quickly after you know just um, you know a week or so. I mean, he still calls uh, uh, me punk, of course, because right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 
kind of the, got this warm, fuzzy feeling that I definitely understand why people enjoyed it. I haven't done a lot of poking around on the uh, Dream Islands, which is the system that they have in place where you could visit people's islands without uh, really interacting with them to really see people's curations. Uh, remember we talked about it uh, 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 towards the end of the presidential elections uh, about the buying campaign creating one. I, I need to see if that's actually still active. I would be shocked if it is, actually. But, you know, uh, explore that a little bit. I have a chillax game. It's kind of uh, this Euro truck where, you know, you're not stuck 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour for a potentially for profit. Uh uh, you can check in on your neighbors, uh, uh, dig up uh, some of the uh, weeds, uh, plant flowers, uh, do a little bit of terraforming, which is actually new in this version. Uh, the Tendo has been pretty uh, good about uh, post-launch content. They just released uh, a patch in the last week or two, and there's another one coming up for uh, the Mario 35th uh, anniversary. Uh, to put some uh, Mario content into the game, which is, uh, uh, from what I've read, been kind of a, a staple for the Animal Crossing uh, uh, series in general, having some sort of tie-in with Mario and also uh, other Nintendo uh, franchises. So, yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's this chillax game. Not a lot of pressure, just kind of do your thing and yeah, have fun with it. And stress over, you know, the price of turnips. Right. Stonks, 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 stonks. Is yeah. Punk? I know you played an earlier version of it, right? Yeah, I played, um, yeah I've played a couple of the earlier Animal Crossing games. Um, and then I played uh, this one um, six, eight months ago, something like that, back mm-hmm. in the summer. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this is the the best one of the animal crossings that I've played, but now, I do know that they pulled some of the uh, content, but they've also, uh, I did a little bit of a deep dive, uh, you know, a, about a month into the game to see you know, what's going on. And it does seem like there's long-term plans for uh, post-release content. So they're going to trickle it out on, on top of just the general, you know, uh, ha- uh, different holidays have different events that pop up. Uh, uh, like on Valentine's Day, uh, villagers mailed candy and flowers to one another. Then, then they have a festival the day after, which is essentially a Mardi Gras like event, where a, where a peacock showed up and was dancing all around. You would have loved him. Uh, so, you know, different things to shake up gameplay on top of just random uh, special NPCs showing up, and you know, there's always something to do. And on top of that, there's uh, it's kind of the same system that Forza uses, where there's also many objectives that you could uh, work on uh, for a sense of progression, plus the fact that it gives you many uh, goals. Like uh, they have what they call Tom Nook miles uh, for completing certain objectives, and it's also the achievement system in-game. So, you know, like mine, however many times, or find so many fossils or talk to so many people, go fishing, and you gain miles that you could then redeem for tickets to visit other islands to get materials, or if you have a room on your island to vi- uh, to find new uh, potential uh, uh, villagers, uh, get different uh, fruit, that sort of thing. 
or you could just redeem it for different DIY recipes that which that's also something new uh crafting just in general for uh this installment of the series. So yeah, it's like I said, it's been a kind of a pick up and play, you know, 15 20 minutes a, a day. Right. But I've been enjoying it. But definitely not for everyone though. I will say that one it you know, it's not going to get that, you know, Call of Duty, you know, dude bro to, you know, right? Yeah, I love the uh, the crossover when it launched, though. Like, the the Animal Crossing girl and, like, uh, Doom guy. I thought that was pretty <laughs> hilarious. See, I didn't see that. Yeah, because it, it launched um, Animal Crossing and uh, Doom Eternal launched, like, one day, like, back-to-back days or something like that. And, of course, the internet memed the shit out of it, and they just kind of leaned into it. <laughs> uh, sort of like how uh, Fall Guys did, uh, with uh, just uh, various things. Yeah, definitely. Although, I think it was a smaller scale than than Fall Guys, but... Yeah. I mean, it's Doom Internal, right? So... Yeah. So, yeah. Um, ready to, uh, to move yeah, on to another yeah. game? Yeah, we do have one more game to talk about. Indeed. I'm uh, I'm getting scratchy after talking for 20 something minutes or whatever, so I'm going to I I chewed like a couple of cough drops while we were talking. Fingers crossed it doesn't go any farther downhill. Might have to wind up calling this one short, but we mm-hmm. definitely I will make it I will push through game club for sure. Mm. Um so yeah, the January/February game club which we pushed out just because of circumstances uh yeah, our computer issues which was the reason why i pushed to get my build uh finally done yeah um was uh monster sanctuary which i i guess uh i did the intro wrong for anyone who doesn't know what game club is we uh play the same game at the same time and talk about it together and explore the different ways in which we play video games i don't i don't think it's a true fact anymore that we play <laughs> we don't play the same games at the same time because we definitely do that all the time now. Uh, uh, well, particularly whenever we're playing something together. Right. But yeah, Game Club is still a way, though, for us to each try out things that we otherwise might not. Or, um, you know, look at some stuff that's a little bit different from our usual go-to. So, yeah, we played Monster Sanctuary. We played it through Game Pass. You can get this on Steam. Uh, and I think GOG, I think... Um, yeah, all major retailers, it seems. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, though, this game is uh, not Pokemans with a little bit of a twist. Yeah, uh, and the twist being that it's uh, Metroidvania on top of it. It's a 2D Metroidvania with turn-based po- uh, uh, battles whenever you contact a monster. And you play as a monster trainer who is literally just starting out and uh, trying to rise up the ranks of, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the monster sanctuary, right? Yep. Your, uh, your starter, not Pokemon, uh, basically determines which, like, great family you're a part of. Uh-huh. Because, you know, in, in, in the video game world, yeah, video game logic, you have to be connected to greatness in some way. So there's these, like, great families that have been monster trainers for generations and they have essentially like spectral monsters that are passed down from trainer to trainer when they start their journey um and so you get to choose the one that represents you um which is like a wolf there's a frog um uh, uh, a, a uh, fire 
thing. Yeah, yeah bird. Um, like a, it's is it a phoenix? I went with the spectral wolf. Yeah, see, I went with the the frog. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I think it's a lion uh, or, or a griffin. I don't know. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> they're just like spectral creatures that like you know. Yeah, and the, yeah, and there's basically one other trainer that serves as a, a sort of a friendly rival. Or at least as far as we got, we didn't get terribly far in the game. We got far enough to really get a feel for it, but not enough to know the story. Yeah, Monster Sanctuary kind of continues uh, 20, 2021 where 2020 left off. Overall, like I'm just going to say like at the start of this, like Monster Sanctuary is a good game that just did not grab me. Uh, I would uh, uh, say the same thing. And I, and I actually sat and uh, thought about why. And I think it's actually because of what it is. So Metroidvania tends to be a lot of platforming and a lot of quick action. However, Monster Sanctuary, Sanctuary, oh, sorry, I started to get kind of quasi-modal there, uh, breaks that up very often with these rather lengthy turn-based battles, which, don't get me wrong, are very good. They do some very interesting things with the combat and how they uh, mix in uh, a combat system on top of it to make uh, weaker monsters actually more useful than they otherwise would. But because... Uh, it takes so long to get through a battle, it just becomes kind of a trudge because you end up either trying to avoid all the battles so you could progress through uh, uh, the Metroidvania platforming sections and risk being underleveled, or you, if you accidentally hit one of these battles, which all the battles I do like is that it's no random battles. You see the monsters out in the world, kind of you know doing their own thing. Yeah, laudering around, uh, being, uh, yeah, uh, hooligans. <laughs> and uh, you can't avoid them most of the time. Uh, champions, which are essentially the boss battles, uh, have an area of effect that, you know, it's pretty hard to avoid them if you are, you know, trying to get past them. Um, uh, and there is a way to retreat from battle, but that uses a consumable. So, in truth, unless you're wanting to burn a lot of money, which, you know, money, at least at the beginning of the game, is pretty scarce, uh, you know, you're going to be you know, using a lot of it. And I just think it's at odds with the Metroidvania uh, aspects of the game, and it makes it feel a lot more of a chore to play than what it really is. And don't get me wrong, this is a really good game, but you have to really love both aspects of it and, you know, give it a lot more time. And I think also really kind of bind to uh, the story, which didn't really grab me at first because they just don't really sell it all that well. Yeah. You play through like, I don't know, four. How how long did you play? I played it for about six hours. Uh, I played it for three or four. I got through this, uh, the, uh, the two first or the first two areas. And was brought back to the monster sanctuary, and that's where I ended it. Did you do the trainer duel? Uh, no, I didn't do the trainer duel. Okay, that's the first real indication of any ongoing, like major story in the game is the trainer duel and what happens immediately after the trainer duel. So you play for, you know, I I suppose you could like speed through, you know, as fast as you could, like skipping a bunch of stuff, and maybe get to that point in like two hours. 
But then you you get trounced in the trainer duel. I mean, I just barely won, and I had fought everything I'd come across the entire time. You fight your friendly rival character, which for me was the frog guy. Um, who yeah, was your friendly me, rival? Yeah, I think for me it was the spectral wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, we were friends. Um, but uh, that it's probably then the other two are are the friendly rivals see each other. That would be my guess. Yeah, um, it, yeah. It, it uses the Pokemon system where uh, what you choose uh, determines your rivals. Uh, so, uh, obviously, the uh, Spectral Wolf and the Spectral Frog are uh, uh, opposite to one another. Yeah. Uh, so, and, um, and, 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 and it uses a truncated elemental system, at least as far as we got, where there was five, six elements. And yeah, different ones were strong against one another, and different monsters had a certain weakness. Like one that was a fire-based one would be very weak to water. To give an example, yeah. Uh, so if you had a monster that had water, and you could have six at a time, you know, just like Pokemans, uh, and uh, but the battles were three on three minus the champions, which was a uh, one a uh, uh, three on one. Yeah. Uh, and the player's favor, but they were far stronger. So yeah, the champions have got a lot more health and they can act multiple times during their turn. So, um, I guess let's talk about the battle system a little more in depth. You, you mentioned the, um, sort of elemental system that exists within the game. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many there are for sure. Like there's some basic ones that you can think of like fire and water. There's sort of a ground esque type, like, or like a nature one. It's got like a leaf as its symbol. Um, uh, wind, air. wind, yeah, air. There's uh, electric. There's a you know the equivalent of the Pokemon normal type. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's called physical. Yeah. Um. So you know, there, and there's probably some others that we didn't get to because there there are some attacks that are like uh, at least for for me the wolf. I don't know about the frog, but the wolf had like a something called a spectral flame attack, which had uh, spectral as its element, and nothing was weak or strong to element that to any element or to that element that I came across in my playtime so far. Um, so there's probably a few that we didn't get to, but you know, that, that system is kind of, um, you know, the, the basic for it or, you know, the basic elemental similar to, you know, rock, uh, paper, the scissors elemental rock paper, scissors. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you can have up to three of your monsters active at any one time for the fight. Um, the trainer duels are a little bit different. You use all six of your monsters, but it's still three at a time. And I assume that that trainer duel comes up multiple times in the game outside of just that one instance, um, mm-hmm. probably against the other rivals. But yeah, uh, you, and, use, you have you to can all freely, six monsters. You can freely swap out monsters, both when, or I should say in normal combat. If one faints, you can't uh, replace it. Right. Um, but so, and, and it, it goes in turns and you have all three of your monsters take your turn and then all of the enemy monsters take their turn, which usually is, is three, um, or, you know, in the case of bosses, uh, you know, one, um, and I don't, I, I, I think you always go first, except in the trainer duel, which is randomized. And like, they tell you that, like they tell you the rules of the trainer duel, but except for the trainer duel, like I always went first. So I assume that you always go first um in combat but anyways you you take your turn and then the opponent takes their turn and yeah, you take your system. turn with all three monsters i might add yes and so there's a combo system that builds up and any successful move that you have 
be it a heal, a buff, a debuff, or an attack, adds to the combo meter. And the combo meter, essentially every successful action adds 5% damage uh, to the next action. And the highest I got it to stack up with some attacks that that attacked like many multiple times uh, was 175%. Yeah, I got just over 200%. Okay, so you were probably using some... I was using... well, I, I was giving a funny name. So uh, the uh, the uh, bird, uh, not Pokemon, was called Burb. <laughs> I called my bird Polly. Uh, the blob was named Bob the Blob. Oh my god, I also named my blob Bob. <laughs> we spend uh, too much time together, I think. Yes. I think this is it. Like, after this, we, yep. we have to break up. We can't be friends anymore. Well, I named uh, the cat Zerker after one of my cats. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, he was Shadow T Cat. Um, trying to think of uh, and the other ones, uh, any of the funnier ones was. Uh, but the, oh, the way that you get the uh, different uh, not Pokemans was uh, after a battle. If you do well enough, there's a score system, which is based off of the amount of damage you take, how quickly you uh, defeat the uh, monsters, uh, as in number of turns, uh, the amount of damage you did. And also uh, a contributing factor is how hard you hit in that final turn uh, or the final move of your turn. Uh, yeah, because so that's has, like, how well are you using the combo system? Yeah, and also elemental weaknesses and that sort of thing. And it boosts the chances of getting rare items. And one of the rare items is an egg that you could uh, hatch freely, I might add, uh, to get that uh, monster. So uh, you could get uh, quite a few eggs very quickly in uh uh, really have very specialized monsters, uh, especially if you know you stick with it for a, a lot longer. Yeah, I had uh, twelve monsters when I quit playing. Uh, I think I was at ten, but I had some bad luck getting eggs. Yeah. Um. Then the sort of the the other than you know the the I guess the differing battle systems and whatnot. Like I think the biggest thing that separates this or moves this sort of monster collection battle genre forward is that it has a full fledged RPG leveling system for all of your monsters. Um, I don't know how like the tree goes up to 30 plus levels. I don't know if there's like a level cap for each of your monsters. And so you have a limit to how many skill points you can actually get, but each of the monsters has uh, abilities um, that they can level up and there's basic stat stuff like increase your health and your attack and whatnot. But you know, the, the blob, monster for example has like some healing moves and some poison moves and some water moves and you can generalize or you can specialize and obviously there's pros and cons to each um and yeah, every like time you the, level up you get one point to add into the skill tree yeah and also uh for another good example was uh the the fire pillar which i named pillar uh uh he had a uh, uh i used a little bit of a more specialized uh tactic with him so for any burn damage that he would inflict, uh, it would uh, create a shield on all my, uh, definitely not Pokemans. Right. Uh, to uh, give some more uh, defense because you know, that particular monster was a little bit more on the squishy side. Uh, but on top of uh, the skill trees, there was also a full-on uh, equipment system for each of the monsters. Yep, uh, so each monster could have a, a, a weapon. Um, mm-hmm. and then three equipped items, and then they can eat up to three food items, which all give stat changes. Uh, yeah. Some of the things give um, 
boosts. Like typically the stuff that gives the most powerful boosts also has some type of drawback. So other stat reductions or something that it does to them. But like I didn't see anything major that was like, oh, have all these stat boosts, but can only act every other turn or something like that. Like I didn't see anything like that. But, you know, if it's like, oh, this boosts HP by, you know, 250, then it also has a drawback of making like your critical hits weaker or something like that. Yeah, the uh, uh, the uh, equipment uh, was a little bit more on you know, p- uh, positive and negatives for uh, some of it. Mm-hmm. But there was also uh, finding uh, hidden things because this is a Metroidvania of giving more uh, or, or giving a, uh, finding uh, more powerful items uh, hidden in uh, you know, isolated rooms, doing a little bit more exploration to find... Uh, rarer stuff but there's also uh, uh the skill resets so that you could uh stack those up and you know redo a, a particular monster which would be a lot more useful later on i would assume to try to yeah you know, change uh a, a monster for a particular battle or uh, fix a mistake that you might make because it is a very long-term uh, decision for uh, different uh, skills, and it might just not work out later on. Yeah. So it was nice to see that they weren't going down the sort of the Pokemon route of, oh, well, uh, you don't like how this one uh, uh, turned out? Tough. Uh, go train another one. Yeah. Um, all of the monsters, so your six active monsters level up also, like, they level up at the same rate. Um, even yeah. if you're not actively using them for battle, like if they're in your active roster of six, they all get, you know, XP every battle, no matter what. But the ones that you have in your backlog do not. Um, there's an item that's very common, actually, that you can use to boost up uh, their levels. Um, like I found a couple of them and then you could buy them in the store. Uh, mm-hmm. They were a little bit expensive for like early in the game, but I'm sure you come back there later with lots of money and things you could get easily. But um, you could... I mean, it's basically like the rare candy from Pokemon. It, it Every time you use one, it levels a monster up one level. And you can catch them up to two levels behind your highest level monster. So it, it's a catch-up mechanic, not a, you know, I'm going to make my most powerful monsters even more powerful. So I thought that was pretty neat. Because, like, pretty quickly, I'm like, you know, I've got twice the size that I can fit in my team. There's like 110 or 120, mo- something like that. Monsters yeah, 100-some like, monsters. And that's not even counting just doing different variances uh, uh, of builds on the same monster. Yeah, uh, having a Cat Zerker, for example, that's a lot more crit-focused to try to uh, get bleeds on uh, a couple of its moves. Uh, Have uh, one that's more of a general, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, there was actually a surprising amount of depth in this. I was going into it thinking it was going to be a lot more shallow than what it was because... Whenever something uses Pokemon as a jumping off point, uh, don't get me wrong. Pokemon is a good game, but it's also a bit shallow these days. I think what makes Pokemon so good is how accessible it is. Yeah. Um, Because Pokemon at its core was designed for children. And that's not a bad thing. Like I'm not saying that negatively. But it's a very simplistic game by modern standards. And this takes that formula and adds a lot more depth and complexity to it. Like, it's it's a good game. Like, I'm talking really, really great about it. But like you pointed out at the very beginning, like, the interesting juxtaposition between the 
the sort of expected fast-paced elements of a Metroidvania-style game with the slow, uh, honestly, sometimes tedious aspects of a turn-based battle system of, of any kind. They just, for me at least, and I, I guess for you too, like I don't feel like they really go together all that well. Uh, if they had uh, some concessions on this, like if you out-leveled uh, the monsters by a certain amount, uh, have a chance to just you know, auto-win or have an auto-battle uh, uh, system uh, as an option to try to fast-forward through some of the more tedious battles. Yeah. Because you know, uh, my monsters were approaching level 10, uh, my main roster. Uh, by the time yeah you know, uh, I'd wrapped up, yeah, and even though it yeah, you would think oh well level ten's finding something very low level, it would uh, go pretty quickly. Well, you're still dealing with animations, and there's still a decent amount of health on these things, even at low level. They you know you have to set through it all. Yeah, so you're still looking at a good minute or two. I was running around exploring in the uh, caves, looking for secret rooms. And uh, I had my monsters were like in the or the low teens, and you can rearrange uh, in in the menu like you can sort your skills however you wanted to. And basically, I put all of the general attack skills on my most powerful team as the first one, so I could just uh, I was using a controller, so I could just smash A and go through it uh, as fast as possible, like all of those fights, because most of the enemies in the caves are like level six to to ten. And at level, you know, 13, 14, you're, you mean, you can just wreck them. You don't even really have to think about it. And there's no, like, one thing that it does, which I both like, but also kind of don't at the same time, is that you, all of your monsters heal back to full health after every battle, even if they, you know, die or pass Mm -hmm. out or whatever in combat. So there's no penalty, um, like, there's no incentive to manage health outside of like just making sure that they don't die so that you're down a monster in the middle of a fight. But you can end a battle with all of your monsters at one health uh, and then be completely reset and ready to go for the next fight. I think maybe for the the type of game that it is and the gameplay present, that's probably the right move. Yeah, it does eliminate the need for a lot of uh, status restore and uh, yeah, uh, just general healing items, which honestly, I didn't really use that many heat. I didn't use any items actually. The only time I it. used items was in the uh, uh, trainer duel. That was the only time I needed to use any items because the I, I don't know if it was just I hadn't gr- grinded enough up to that point, or if the game makes the trainer by default a little stronger than you. But all all of his non Pokemans were like one level higher than me, and in a six v six duel, that that is a pretty you know, that's a little bit of a difficulty bump that you have to overcome. So I wound up using several items and uh, like his whole team was based on status effects, mm-hmm. like lingering status effects, like burn and poison. Um, so I kept having to deal with damage over time effects that I would have to remove and then heal up from. Um, as far as I know, there's no limit though, to like the monsters that you carry around with you. Like there's the six active limit, but I had six other monsters just like chilling in my inventory. Yeah. And you can swap to any of them at will to use their abilities on the sort of uh, the platforming aspect. Um, Cause they yeah, all have different one, Yeah. And different ones give different abilities. Yeah. So, you know, there's, and, and there's some overlap. I don't know about the frog. 
but the spectral wolf had uh, like a claw thing that it did, but it was basically, you know, like the cat Zerker to reveal hidden spots on the map. And yeah. Was, same like, with the frog. I think the, I, I would imagine the four starters are all the same. Probably, but you know, I, I didn't know the blob like, yeah, shoots out little bubbles and that can mm-hmm. like put out fires. Um, the, the uh, bird gives yeah, you the, a, a hover so you can reach, uh, more difficult areas. Yeah, the caterpillar could uh, burn vines and uh, trigger different orbs. The the monkey thing can do that too. I forget what its name was. And then there's like in in the next aspect, there's like a dungeon, like the the monster sanctuary dungeon that you go through to get to a forest. You get like a a knight in armor, uh, and his is like a lightning thing. Like that's his whole thing. Is like he's got lightning abilities. Yeah, I will say that I've uh, trying to think of how long it was to get into it, uh, but you eventually get they're definitely not a Pokédex Pokédex. Yeah, and they go a lot more in depth on the lore of all these monsters than Pokemon ever did. Uh, the Cat Zerker one was uh, yeah a little heartbreaking. It was a, a little gray kitten that a knight found. Uh, in, a, in a battlefield, and he took care of it for many years. And then eventually the knight uh, had to go uh, back to war and uh, presumably fell in battle. He just disappeared. He never came home. So the kitten went out to find him, found his sword, and uh, being a faithful uh, 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 to uh, his owner, uh, tried to drag his sword uh, back to him. Uh, back to his owner and uh, just never found him. So over the years and uh, the kitten's you know, offspring eventually became cat zerkers to be able to carry the swords better. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't read too much of the lore stuff. I just flipped through it, but it also gives you uh, information on what uh, the rare drops are and what uh, to expect uh, from uh, different monsters as well. But uh, all of them had you know, several pages of story behind each monster. Uh, and it was uh, very fascinating just how in-depth they went uh, with some of the story. Uh, just for you know, the low-level trash monsters you uh, encounter, let alone the uh, champions that you eventually encounter. Which yeah. now I'm blanking on the champion story. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, I, I think it's a game that would run pretty much on any hardware. Um, I mean, it, it also has a Switch port as well. To me, this feels like the type of game that I would play on a trip. Like, if I'm like, huh, I want something to play, I'm going on this long trip. Like, this feels like the type of game that I would play on a trip. Um, instead of sitting... And maybe if I'd played it on my laptop, instead of playing it on my desktop, I might have enjoyed it more. But, like I said, yeah. it just didn't grab me. But, it, like, I know it's a good game. Like, I can see it's a good game with good systems. They were well thought out. It, it seems to be well-balanced doing some things with the monster battle genre, but it just, it, it didn't grab me. And that's, yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's certain games that uh, appeal in different circumstances. And I think playing this like on us on the switch, uh, you know, kicking back in the living room would have been a lot more enjoyable, you know? Yeah. Uh, or hell, even if I could have gotten, uh, uh, my Steam streaming to uh, play nice with uh, Game Pass games, which I have been working on uh, to be able to stream it to my phone. Uh, it would have uh, made it so that, yeah, it could relax a lot more. And uh, there's a certain expectation whenever you're playing a PC game versus a uh, 
Switch game versus a mobile game. And I think that I think this is one of those games that would have been a lot better if we played it on the Switch. We would have been a lot more accepting of it, you know? Yeah. I think sort, sort of like while I'm looking forward to Fall Guys eventually getting there. Yeah, I, I think that if this is still on Game Pass, or maybe, you know, I would buy it if it's not. I think this would be a really good game to play through in its entirety with my son. Um he's you know, I talk about mention this like from time to time. Like he's gotten he he's so close. Like, I mean he's he can read like those um you know, the the reading like learners books or whatever like mm-hmm. he can read the easy ones all on his own and he's got a much larger vocabulary than he did just a few months ago like he's almost there to be able to play you know like pokemon because you've been asking to play pokemon for forever um and I, I think that like this would be a game for me to show him like hey you know i i'm not the biggest fan of pokemon because i you know i think it's too simple and, and kind of boring for the most part honestly um again not a bad thing just not for me but I think this would be a game, good game. It's like, hey, you know, if you want to play something that's kind of like Pokemon that I also enjoy, I would love to sit down and play through this with you. And I, I could see us doing that. Or like I said, me playing it on a trip. Um, I think that would be another good environment to do so. Um, you know, when when the COVID times are all over and the next time we go visit the in-laws or if we ever take like another cross-country trip like we did a few years ago, uh, train trip, like, I think this would be like the perfect game to sit and kick back and play for that. At, le- at least for me. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. Or like I said, uh, for me in the evenings, uh, playing it in the living room, just uh, relaxing on the couch, that sort of thing. Yeah. Which is uh, kind of what the Switch has become for me uh, between Animal Crossing and other things. So, yeah, I, and that's the thing is that I think we both agree this is just, uh, it's not a bad game. And actually, I think it's quite a good game. It's just it didn't grab us. Yeah, like I said, I, I can tell that this is a good game. It's it's a solid B plus to A minus game, mm-hmm. I think, easily. It just didn't grab us. And, and for me, I think that's just the environment that I would play it in is not sitting at my desk playing it with the intention of, for Game Club. And, you know, maybe I would have liked it more if I if I didn't sell it on my laptop or had gotten it on on my Switch or somewhere else um i imagine it's also like on xbox if it's on game pass you know um so yeah just a good game but not the type of invite like i you know not the type of game that i play normally sitting at my desk or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah um so so what would be a type of game that you would uh, play at your desk well (laughs) i'm so glad you asked because the type of game that i would play at my desk uh, is a game like Far Cry, specifically Far Cry 3. And wouldn't you know it, that's the next Game Club game on our list. Yeah, it's almost like uh, somebody that's been holding back Game Club with a crappy computer could actually play it now. <laughs> yeah, so we're... Um, I have played every Far Cry game up to Far Cry 3, which I, I we looked at this yesterday. There, there are three. There's the original Far Cry, um, then like a, a sort of a spinoff of it that came to Xbox. Um, and then Far Cry 2. So I've played those three, and I played Far Cry 3 like very briefly a few years ago. And then that was when we had first started doing the podcast and first started doing Game Club, and we put it on the list. And I've held off playing it for like four years at this point. <laughs> yeah, I played uh, a little bit of it, and it was just outside the realm of being enjoyable because the thing was that 
I could play it, but the thing is that it had frame drops like you wouldn't believe. It uh, stuttered. It was just not a fun experience. So it was always, uh, well, when the new computer uh, gets built, when the new computer gets built, well, fuck it, the new computer's been built. Let's go. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Far Cry 3, in case anyone doesn't know, is an open-world first-person shooter. Um, The Far Cry series uh, has gotten more and more open-worldy and, like, story-expandy-ish over the years. Um, A lot of people, I think, would say Far Cry 3 is the best in the series. Um, You know, it it kind of is where I think a lot of people say that the game peaked in terms of, like, its story and the villain character in it introduced and like some weird stuff that it did. So we're going to find out all about it, uh, over the next, what, five weeks. Um, uh, yep. Because we have a long, uh, month coming up and I just moved far cry three to my SSD. Yep. I think I installed far cry three on my SSD when I installed it well, the other day after we talked about it. Well, I was still in the testing phase. Uh, this yeah. is one, I. I turned off uh, my friends list to go test it because I knew if someone saw me uh, playing Far Cry 3, it'd be, why is he playing Far Cry? That would be a giveaway, yeah, when we did our our sit down and planned out games. Uh, Yeah, we planned out Game Club games for the next three months. Yep, and we got some good ones coming up. Well, hopefully. Doesn't look like Far Cry 3 does Steam uh, cloud support, which is frustrating. Because I would would definitely swap back and forth between playing this on both my desktop and my laptop. Because my laptop will run uh, easy. Hang on, let me double check that. But I'm pretty damn sure it does cloud support. Because when I loaded up Far Cry 3 on the new computer, it had my old save files. It may be uh, through the Ubisoft launcher. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, because it doesn't say on the Steam store page that it has cloud support. It's just single player and partial controller support. But you're right, it does require you to use Uplay, so... Yeah, there's something that downloaded the uh, the files. Let's put it that way, because I had to install Far Cry. So I'm, I'm actually firing up Ubisoft Connect to double-check it to see if it says anything over there. I don't see anything, but yeah, it is Ubisoft, so, right? Yeah. Um. Anyways, let's see. So, yeah. Far Cry 3. That will be for March. Looking forward to it. Um, I think my voice got a little bit of recovery. Uh, it's, it's, I feel like it's holding, so I'm, I'm good. Uh, and yeah, Far Cry 3 does have cloud support. Okay, cool. So it's through Uplay instead of Steam? I think. Okay. It looks like, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Ubisoft. Cool. So that might be worse. Well... I probably only play it on my desktop, honestly. Like, typically, if I'm playing games on my laptop, I'm sitting in the living room, mm-hmm. and my kid's not old enough to see Far Cry Three. Uh, what? You don't want him to see the cyber titties? Nope he's he's too young for the breasts to be exposed for his pleasure, and also or, or too you know, old violence and language. Well, that would be more exposed for his uh, nourishment. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll probably just keep this one on my desktop anyway. It's not that I think about it, but still, I've gotten very used to the convenience of uh, just cloud save data for stuff. Um, but yeah, so let's let's move on uh, to do the news. Um, 
our first news topic of the night. E3 is skipping its in-person event again. So last year (laughs) they didn't do anything at all because of COVID. They just completely scrapped E3. Yeah, it was was too sudden for them. Yeah, I wish it would have stayed in the trash bin. That would have been great. Yeah, It's coming back. Um, They're not doing in-person for 2021. Uh, and and I, unless I missed something, I haven't seen any word on whether or not they plan to do that in perpetuity, but, um, you know, we figured we would mention it cause that means that if it's going to be around, we're going to talk about it. Although it'll be a little differently this year. We looked at the schedule and it's like in the middle of a week in June. I don't remember the specific date, but it's like, it starts uh, on it, a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. It starts to, d- 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 well, it starts on the 15th, if uh, I recall correctly. Yeah. It goes uh, through to that Friday, I think it was. Yeah. So, like, it's going to start on a recording night, and we're not going to, like, I'm not going to be able to, like, just from with work, I can tell you, I'm not going to be able to go through and get any of that stuff during the day. So probably what we'll do is, uh, or at least what I'll do, is that weekend, so Saturday and Sunday, and I guess maybe Monday if I needed it, go back and watch the stuff, the highlights and the coverage. And then we would talk, I think this year we should just talk about what interests us the most or yeah. what's like the biggest garbage that dumpster fire that happens. What well, was well, EA doing a, a, a press conference? Hi. I mean, really there's a few you could put up there that, that might show up. EA and Ubisoft both, uh, could do I, I, I got to admit the only thing I'm looking forward to devolver. <laughs> right. Uh, just because they go so crazy with it. And I imagine this year they're going to go even more so because it was already a digital only event uh, with them doing clips of uh, crowds from random events earlier in the day. So yeah, yeah it, they're, they're going to go full hog on it. I, I assume when they do something, of course, if I recall correctly, they were doing some sort of Terminator time travel storyline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, they'd mix, like, Terminator with RoboCop, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, our epic ally every year. Uh, the first year, we just didn't really get it, uh, but it also was the weakest one of them. Yeah, we yeah. Kind, of, kind of went in not knowing what to expect, and then the next year, it kind of clicked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I gotta admit, I, I know the main reason why they want to do E3, uh, or even as just the digital event is because yeah the ESA gets a lot of money out of it right yeah and if they thought they could get away with uh, an in person event without with the significant uh, uh, audience I'm sure they would have but right yeah I don't I, I personally don't see how this is gonna work honestly like not the technical side of it that's fine that that makes sense like even before all of this, like there was starting to be a shift towards more uh, companies doing their own thing, just doing it digitally. Like they would have an event and broadcast it digitally or doing more like Nintendo direct style stuff. Like even, even in the pre COVID times, like we were already headed that direction. And for, I, I forget what it is that they're charging. I don't know if it says in this article or not, but I had heard on a, a, a another uh, gaming podcast that I listened to, um, that it was like $12,000 for a digital slot um, for, I think it was like a five minute digital slot. And the big presentations that, you know, typically are an hour plus 
we're looking at like a hundred thousand plus dollars just awesome. like to to be like in the you know in the e three um you know time slot or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like that's ridiculous oh don't forget also leaking all the uh, contact information for everybody attending. Right. They doxed thousands of people who have attended multiple times. Years. multiple times. Yeah. But I just can't imagine why a company like, you know, Microsoft, Sony, et cetera, like why they would pay, you know, six figures for a digital time slot when they can just do their own thing and they've been doing it. And yeah, I just don't see E3 working or if it works, becoming something completely different than what it was. Like, I, I just don't, I can't fathom how this is going to pan out for them in any way other than badly. Well, that, that's the thing is that the, who it really hurts is the indie developers. Because remember, uh, all these big conferences, particularly Microsoft and when Sony did one, Sony uh, would have a section where they would do like the montage of indie games coming to their platform. Yeah, so you would maybe get five seconds of a gameplay. Uh, And it's going to hurt them overall, which is, you know, a a really sad thing. But also, you know, they're not getting a huge amount of exposure outside of, ooh, what's that, right? Yeah. Honestly, the uh, shift from E3 to how Steam has done their festivals this past year, uh, I think it's been a lot more useful to indie developers than anything else. And it sounds like uh, from uh, some of the interviews I've seen uh, that that Steam's done, uh, they're going to continue doing that. They've seen a lot of positive feedback from it. And they're already playing one for the summer. So we got that to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just, it does feel like EA is uh, a holder on from a, a time that's gone by. Yeah. But at the same time, I, it does, it would hurt the smaller guys that kind of get to go up on stage uh, from the big guys. But that's still, you know, that's what we got for triple, for, for double A these days. And that's about it, really. Yep. I'm just thinking about short sighted uh, companies. Mm-hmm. Got some, got some personal experience with that, but uh, I won't get that <laughs> right now. I'm not going to go off on that tangent. Oh boy. At least not right now. Um, yeah. So our, our next news article, this, uh, this one was hilarious. It came uh, up a couple uh, weeks ago, but <laughs> right. Yeah. So a developer changes their name to very positive on steam <laughs> to fool steam users. Yeah. And this is one of those uh, uh, developers that put out sub mobile tier trash on steam. From uh, just a couple of screenshots I've been able to find. It's just horrendous looking games. Yeah. And, and use a game in a very loose sense of the word. Yeah. So I'm guessing, I mean, you know, when you go look at Steam and you go look at any game um, on, you know, in, in the center of the store page is, uh, you know, screenshots, um, trailer videos, whatever. And to the right of that is like the little blurb about the game. And then there's the reviews. It says recent reviews, all reviews, release date, developer, publisher. And so the recent or the reviews will be, you know, from very positive, mostly positive, mixed, uh, very negative, mostly negative. Um, You know, those are what you can have. And then the developer underneath it and the developer 
is those two are always blue. Developer and publisher are always blue. And the reviews will change color. So mixed is like uh, like a, a brownish color, just like a, a neutral color. Yeah. Um, the positive, the two positives are blue, and the two negatives are red. So someone who looks at the page like at a glance and doesn't read those might see like, oh yeah, positive. Like they don't like really read the whole thing. Like might look over at it and be like, oh, this is reviewed positively. Like they'll see, you know, the developer and publisher name being very positive. Yeah, but you're looking right under uh, two uh, uh, very likely red flags. I mean, I hear you. Uh, I know, but I've also seen, you know, uh, people on Facebook be, Utterly stupid. So, yeah, I do believe this would have gotten some people at least. And I mean, honestly, like, you know, anybody can make that mistake if they're tired, if they're a little bit distracted, they're in a rush for some reason. Like, you can make that mistake when you're reading something too quickly. And, I, you know, I don't know why you'd be looking at these games doing that. But, you know, I, I don't live your life. You know, I don't know how you interact with things like you, the, the general listener or person who might find yourself bamboozled. So, like, to me, this seems, like, ridiculous, but, you know, people have made those mistakes before, and I've certainly made those types of mistakes with things before, you know? So, it's it's a smart move to get some, uh, you know, unwary people, but also it's extremely unethical, and, and those guys are shitheads. But also, it's it's hilarious. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to just change our developer and publisher name to very positive yeah oh, just God. is there really is there i'm I'm gonna google this to see if there's like a very positive anything company um uh, there has to be yeah there has to be uh let's see very positive studios is there one of those uh nope that brings up all the news articles um there's a positive space studios very positive developer what if I just do very positive company? It's still the very positive is still giving me tons of of steam stuff. <laughs> um, I could be doing this for a while. I think I'm going to abandon this idea immediately because it's too much time and effort. Okay, how about this? Very positive incorporated. Is there a very positive incorporated? Uh, yes. There you go. Found it. So. Anyways, yeah, I mean, it, very unethical. Also, honestly, very funny. But uh, I mean, especially with the game uh, that's at least listed in the article, Emoji Evolution. And it looks even worse than what you would think. Yeah, that's real bad. It's real bad looking. I mean, hell, I think I could put together something better. Yeah. Uh, what were the consequences of this company? I don't remember. Uh, I think they got just booted off Steam. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Okay. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I mean, it's funny, but at the same time, really, yeah. I, I guess, I, I guess it just comes down to the fact that I'm very careful with what I buy in general. I'm not rapid buying stuff, so it, it does surprise me, but also doesn't that this worked? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm not very positive about it. Uh, but how about something else that you're not very positive about? Yeah, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, delayed indefinitely. So I uh, found out about this through our Discord, um, Cube030, good old Cube, uh, posted in the, I think just the general chat, 
uh, this morning, a link to the article and a gif of the Titanic sinking. Um, for anyone out there, we, we did Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines as a game club, I think, two years ago now. Uh, it was January for 2019, I believe. Um, I'm double checking that. I really liked uh, liked the game. You didn't like it as much. But, it, I mean, it does have quite yeah. a large cult following. Um, and people have been very excited since the sequel to this like cult hit uh, was announced a few years ago. Um, it's had some issues with development, uh, very similar to the first one, honestly, with its is- development issues. Um, but here, uh, very recently, uh, Paradox, uh, which one of the Paradox companies is doing? Is it Paradox Interactive? Because like, I mean, they're all under the same umbrella, but it's, you know, the sort of the internal companies. Um, but anyways, the, the developer for it... Uh, Different flavors of the same DLC. Right. So Paradox uh, confirmed that the developer on it, which was Hardsuit Labs, um, was no longer working on the project. Uh, they said that they they weren't like I'm I'm not showing all of this. They said basically they weren't happy with where the game was at, and they wanted to really um, you know change some things and, and improve it to get it up to their quality standard. Um, there were some rumors that they were going to scrap the entire game and start over, but it, I mean with the de- with the developer change and the fact that uh, the lead designers that left in the last year, I mean saying that a full reboot or at least a significant reboot of uh, the game development is not out of the line in my opinion. Yeah. I, the, I would, I'd be surprised if we see this in uh, 2022. I'm expecting 2023 if we see it. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see it at this point. Um, at least not like this. Um, I think that the project will ultimately be canceled and it might be picked up again down the line. But I think this iteration of the game is dead. The The current indication, at least, is that they're going to use what they've got and start over with some aspects, but like have the baseline of the developed game. But if you're bringing in, like you just said, if you're bringing in an entirely new dev studio or dev team to start working on it, like being handed an unfinished, broken, buggy piece of code and like, hey, make this work is never a good thing. It, that usually doesn't turn out well for anybody involved. So I can't imagine them, you know, having, uh, being able to use large chunks of it, you know, as it is. Like, I feel like they'll have to start over. Maybe art assets uh, will be uh, reusable. But it yeah, also depends on and, what, they, what they plan on doing. Yeah, art assets and maybe some basic aspects of the code with how it interacts with the, the game engine or something like you know, very basic stuff, but any custom systems and any work that I feel like has been done on development of like capabilities and powers and physics and like all of that jazz. Like, I feel like that would probably have to start over, but even yeah, if they don't, be, uh, it's a lot of work. And, yeah, and considering they were talking about how they don't like where the game is going, I would imagine story would be a big part of that. So yeah, we might see a rewrite as well. If you don't have a good story, you don't have a good vampire game. Like that's the bulk of what makes vampire the masquerade bloodlines any good is its story so yeah if you don't have that you might as well scrap it and start over maybe if this had come out two years ago um it would have been you know they could have gotten away with it but there have been three uh vampire 
the masquerade video games like i mean they're spinoff games uh two visual novels and one uh like a cheese or an adventure thing mm-hmm. um but you know the player base has got a little bit of that hunger satiated in recent years so i don't think you could just release a game with uh a nonsensical story and get away with it but i mean it sucks like i, I like vampire the masquerade um you know i play the tabletop um almost every week and i I shared the news with them and they were very upset it's like yeah it sucks what are you gonna do though well it's vampires i know that cube was interested in it obviously he's the one who was following it and noticed the article uh i don't know who else in our community really likes it other than cube and myself i feel like ghost shark does um, I think I remember that, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on it. So I don't know anyone who, who does like the game and wants to commiserate, feel free to jump in on discord. Um, maybe in a few months when I eventually wrap up what was intended to be a very short campaign that I'm running, uh, anyone who wants to run a tabletop game, I've got pretty good experience with it. It'd be interesting actually to run another group of players through the same like world that I set up and see how they do things differently. That would be fun. It's a lot of fucking work, though. Jesus. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, I'm also looking on uh, Steam because... Uh, was what they were releasing recently uh, tied into the new game, or is that uh, tabletop? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I think it was tied into the world that the previous game created, but wasn't, like, direct... Like, wasn't going to be directly connected to the new bloodlines because i know that they had released a couple new games in the uh, vampire the masquerade uh uh well licensed but i wasn't sure how it tied in exactly yeah i mean i think a lot of the problem i had with uh, vampire the masquerade was that you know just antiquated systems at this point because remember i had some rather floaty uh uh movement that kind of threw me off yeah so yeah i mean it's a Disappointment to see something like that, especially with really no information on you know uh, what it means exactly. It's just yeah, uh, yeah, it's not going to release in twenty twenty one, and we're not getting any, giving any information. Oh, and there's a new development team on it as well. Not a good sign. Right. Not a good sign. Yeah, definitely not a good sign. You know, I still you know fingers crossed, hoping for the best, but. Uh, this ain't my first rodeo, so no, I'm not expecting anything. I at best we're looking at another two years of development. Um, but I, I strongly, yeah, I strongly suspect though that this is uh, this is it. Like the game is toast, and it's at least in its current iteration. And somebody might pick the license back up and run with it again. But I think for now we're we're done with this. Very much a past tense game at this point. Prove me wrong, developers. Someone fucking prove me wrong. <laughs> I get so tired of being right all the time about shit. Well, this is also the reason why I'm really pessimistic about releases because, right? Yeah. Just, it, it, it's, I've uh, just seen this happen far too many times. This is why I didn't get caught up in the hype for you know, uh, the Marvel uh, game. Uh, even though they were trying. they Boy, they were trying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Diet Cola Avengers, right? Yeah, although, I mean, I'm diabetic, so I do like Diet Cola. <laughs> uh, the yeah, last yeah, game... Yeah, yeah, but this is the 
uh, the off brand that leaves the weird flavor in your mouth, you know? Yeah, it doesn't bother me so much. Yeah, you're used to odd flavors in your mouth. Um, yeah, I was going to say I'm used to that at this point. Um, yeah, the last game that I really got hyped about was No Man's Sky. But before that, like it had been a long time, even, you know, even then. Like I just, you know, but that's the last one that I really bought into at all. Yeah, and boy, you were pissed. Yeah. Well, we're not pissed. You were disappointed. I was. They they fixed it, though. I'll give them credit for that. I've yeah, said after it a few times. years. Yeah, better late than never. I'd much rather uh, just not be lied to in the first place. Fair enough. So, yeah, that uh, that wraps up our news topics for this week. Um, well, at least uh, this does wrap up uh, your choice for uh, 2021 uh, VGL Awards. Biggest disappointment. Biggest, yeah. Possibly. Possibly. And I mean, you know, I talked about Valheim this week. That's all on the list for like, you know, going to be on my best of games list for the year. Like it's, it's definitely already a contender and we'll see what up it goes up against for the rest of the year. But so yeah, got some, some early VGL awards prep for 2021. But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there voice wise, but I don't think I can get through discovery Q. All right. Well, it's already getting a little late. So, we're old. Yeah. Get off our lawn. Turn this shit off, you youngsters, young whippersnappers. And turn that goddamn music down. It's vulgar. Don't need any fucking vulgarity around here. Yeah, watch your fucking language. That's right, fuckos. Anyways. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Rage, where can they... Uh, where can they win the good listeners, the good little children? <laughs> How can they contribute to this show? Where can they send us things and, and whatnot? Well, you can do so by emailing us at vglpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting to us vglpodcast, or dropping uh, uh, into the Discord. You found a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. And, uh, yeah, hey Rage, hit them with them socials. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there wasn't a lot. Uh, there was nothing on the community because we already covered that. That's right. We, we could have saved that back. and had the community corner, but no, nope. Back to back socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can uh, find me on Twitter, gaming with CR, or you could be my friend on Steam with Caffeine Rage over there. And you've been. Gaming Psychologist. You can find me all over on the YouTubes by searching for that. Uh, find me on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can bring my friend on Steam by sending your friend request to JRthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is totally not Pokemans. <laughs> totally not Pokemans. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely did not uh, choose uh, totally not Bulbasaur. Uh, so once again, VGL podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or tweet them to us. VGL podcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL podcasts. And you wish to have uh, links to the, uh, to all our stuff online, uh, read the show notes, uh, find a way to get to the discord. You can find that over at VGL podcast.podbean.com. Or if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Ken McLeod. And uh, uh, you can find that. Uh, uh, sorry, I had a little bit of a cough. You can find his work over at incompedeck.com. And as always, 
as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Your scratchy voice. Bye-bye now. Uh, see you next time. Bye-bye.